So this morning what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about just the vision of Generation Church. Next week we start a a brand new series called Fit and uh, it's all about getting our lives in shape for 2016. And so if you guys feel out of shape, uh, whether out of shape in your bodies, out of shape in your finances, in your relationships, in your relationship with God, then we've got some answers for you. So we're going to take some biblical uh, approaches to to that. So uh, uh, join us next week for that. But for today we're going to talk about uh, a 20 20-year vision for Generation Church, where we feel that God is taking us over the next 20 years. Now, the word vision in the basic definition means to see. We ask people, we ask them, how is your vision? Meaning, how clearly do you see? Now, some of you, you've got good vision. Uh, You can see a lot. Others, you need some help of some glasses or some spectacles. Or if you're like me, who's a little too vain, I should wear glasses, but I don't. And so my vision isn't as good as maybe some of you physically, but that's what vision means. And here at Generation Church, we have a vision of what we believe that God intends for this church. Now, we believe that this vision has been given and inspired by God himself. But this vision is a process. In fact, this vision is what I call a vision of faith. Now, the writer of Hebrews tells us this. It says that faith is the confidence of things hoped for and the evidence of things that you do not see. And this, and this vision of Generation Church is a vision of faith because right now we can't physically see it. Uh, it's not something that you, you can look at right now with your physical eyes, but we believe in 20 years that you will be able to see it, it physically with your physical eyes. But, but what it does, it takes faith to see it. And, and, and this vision is not my vision, but it's the vision of Jesus Christ. For, the, for Jesus Christ is the head of this church, and he has a vision for where he wants to take this church. But the good news is, is that he wants to use you and me as workers and partners with this vision so that we can help God fulfill this vision for what he has for Generation Church. Now, here at Generation Church, we've always said that we exist to make the, cry, the bride of Christ beautiful again to our generation And we do that by being the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus Christ extended. Now, the bride of Christ is the church. The the Bible describes the bride of Christ as the church to make a beautiful church to our generation. Now, we know that and we've said it. We've said it a lot of times from up here. We've put it on the screens. We've even got like a chalkboard in the back that says it. We've sent out some emails and things that all say it. But I've got a feeling that you guys haven't really grasped what that statement actually means. And, and, and I got a feeling that that statement, you can't see that the vastness of the vision that God has with that statement. And so what we're going to be doing over the next several months is we're going to be kind of changing that statement so we can give you that vision in a simple, easy way that you can hear it, you can understand it, you can repeat it, and then you can go and share it with other people so that when other people hear it, that they will understand what the vision of Generation Church is. You see, when God thinks of Generation Church, He has this vision. And I believe over the last several months, God has been revealing to 
about us, uh, what, what this vision is in more clarity uh, and, and what it's going to look like in the next 20 years. Now, before we share kind of what the vision is today, today is just going to be very much a practical message of, of what Generation Church is going to look like and what we're working uh, towards as a church. But uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk chapter 2, the book of Habakkuk chapter 2. Now, I'm from England. We call this book Habakkuk. But you guys have messed up the language and now it's called Habakkuk. So I'm going to like like lower myself and call it Habakkuk. Okay, so Habakkuk chapter two and verse two tells us this. This book is is written uh, by a guy called Habakkuk, and he is a prophet of God. And what they mean by the prophet of God is he heard from God a message that he would tell to other people. That's what a prophet is. Someone who hears from God to tell others what God is saying. And in Habakkuk 2 verse 2, it says this, The Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on the tablets or write my vision plainly on the tablets this was before we had any like paper like notebooks or we had projector screens or we had facebook or anything like this back then they like would write on tablets like of stone uh, so that other people could see what they were trying to communicate so he's saying write my answer plainly on the tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. So basically he's saying, Habakkuk, write what I'm telling you on the tablet so other people can see it, they can read it, and then they can run and tell everybody else about it. Uh, and that is what we're going to do this morning. We are going to paint a picture of what Generation Church is going to look at, look like in the next 20 years and what we are going to be working towards up until that point. Now back in 2001, when I was still a young adult before I could even grow a beard like this, you know, uh, where, where like I just had a few little like, you know, whiskers coming out my chin. I uh, took a vacation with five of my friends. And uh, now I'm from England, if you, if you didn't already know. Uh, and, and in England, our summers are just like, like it is outside today. It's, it's, it's not the greatest, you know. You're not going to go and get heat stroke in England uh, very often. Uh, and so a lot of people in England, they get on an aeroplane and they go to uh, southern Spain or they, they, they go to Italy or Greece or Turkey. And so my friends and myself decided to take a week vacation to the island of Rome roads in Greece. And so we we booked our planes, we booked the hotel, and we got to the airport, and the, it was leaving about 10 o'clock at night, 10 p.m. And we got on the plane, it was one of those budget airlines, you know, where it is like as tight as tight can be. And like There was like four people in a row, and I was in the middle, and I couldn't even get up to go to the bathroom because I couldn't even squeeze myself out, you know, so you just have to hold yourself for four hours. It was like the worst plane ride ever. But as we started to come into the island of Rhodes, you could see all the water around, and, uh, and, and there was a few lights here and there on the island of Rhodes, for not many people live on that island. And as we landed, suddenly I realized that it was very different from the airport that I'd just been at before. As they open the doors, normally you get like in a little jetway and you go into the terminal, right, into the concourse, uh, but not this one. We had to like go down a flight of stairs onto the concrete and then we had to walk 
to the terminal. I say terminal, but it really looked like a little shack. I mean, it wasn't much at all. In fact, the whole airport only had four gates altogether. It was a tiny little airport. But as we walked into this thing they called the terminal, it was packed. There was a buzz of activity. There were people everywhere in, 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 uh, in, in this airport. And so we went to the baggage claim. We, we, we got our bags off the rickety old like conveyor belt. And uh, then we found we had hired a bus driver to take us from the airport to our uh, hotel and we found the bus driver and we took a 45 minute journey to our hotel which was right by the beach. What I didn't understand when I landed in that airport is that it looked like that airport was just, they needed more space. It looked like they needed way more people and uh, to help and, and more buildings but the reality was that airport was only open two days a week. We arrived on a Thursday And it was only open on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Because not many people lived in on the island of Rhodes. And the only people who came were vacationers. So all the flights from Europe would just come on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And there was a buzz of activity on those two days. But the rest of the days, there there was nothing going on at all. So we got on our bus. We went to our hotel and we spent a week in the sun. And for English people, when we come back off vacation, everybody like notices because we spend like 24 hours in the sun. If there was, if the sun rose for 24 hours, we would be there because we're not used to the sun. So we just like get red and fry like a lobster, and we don't care because we get in the sun. And so we had a nice week. And what I found out, everybody on the island that week, or the majority of people were people on vacation. They had come to that island to get away from the rat race, get away from the mess of their life, to come and forget about it all for a week, to relax, to spend some time on the beach, to, to spend some time around the pool, and just basically to soak in the sun and eat some food. That was basically the reason why people went to the island of Rhodes. So after a week, we got back on our bus and we traveled back to the airport. And we arrived at this rickety old terminal, and we went through the departures, time, uh, departures this time. We, went, we checked in our bags to the couple of, of people who were checking in bags. And then we, got, uh, we passed through uh, uh, security, and this was actually before 9-11, so it's almost like a breeze getting through security back then. And uh, then we went into the main concourse, the main terminal where the four gates were. Uh, and we were thinking, oh, we can maybe get something to eat, or something like that and all that there was was this little old coffee shop there were people everywhere just sitting on the floor you know waiting for their flights and everybody had this sad look on their face and the reason was is because that airport served to bring people to a place where they could forget about things for a week but it also served at sending people back to reality And people were sad because they were going back to reality, rainy old England, and uh, they had to go back to work, had to go back to their family, their issues, all that was going on. It was the most unmemorable airport I have ever been in in my entire life. But yet, there's one reason I remember it. I remember as I was leaving, I stood there, and I looked around, and it reminded me of many churches. Where for one day a week, there's a buzz of activity. There's a bunch of people that have come in 
And that's it, one day a week. That people come in from, from the rat race and from the mess of life and they come in just for one hour just to forget about all their worries but then we send them back out to reality and really their lives are not changed at all. They may just be a little sunburnt. And that's what I started to, to see as I, as I started to, to see this airport. But I ask you today, what if God wanted Generation Church to become some sort of spiritual airport? Where people who are on the journey of life would come and they would be transported to their next connection or their next destination. What if the purpose of Generation Church was that we would become more like an airport terminal than a hotel where we just come and relax for a little while? See, right now, if we were the airport, our church, we'd probably be the equivalent of a little regional airport. You know those airports you go in, and uh, there's like one person in security you go through, there's a couple of gates, and then you, 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 you go, and it's like one of those like old planes with the propellers, you know, and there's like seats two and two, and, and you're like, is this even going to get off the ground at all? Uh, and, and, and that's what I feel like right now that, that, that we are. But what if God has shown us a vision that is so much bigger and so much greater and I believe God has shown us that vision and I want to share that with you today what if God wanted us to not become so much of a vacation airport but what if God wanted us to become more like a hub you know the hubs like in in Atlanta or in Dallas or in Chicago have you ever like traveled through Chicago it's like all there is to do is eat there that's it I'm like, I don't get it. Nothing else to do but eat. But, but like one of those hubs that, that people don't just come for, for a week and then they go back, but they are connected and people from all over the world come and they connect and then they, uh, then they get on another plane to their next destination or their next connection. What if God wanted Generation Church to become a landmark where we can connect the multitudes who are lost or delayed to reach their destination? I'm not talking about being a mega church at all. I'm talking about being a hub that people can connect and lots of things going on. So this morning, this is what I want to do. I want to take you through this spiritual airport that we believe that God has shown us as a church so that you can start to see what I see and start to see what I believe that God sees when he thinks of Generation Church. So whenever you go through an airport, the first thing that you come up to is the main terminal and there is a departures and there is an arrival. There's a check-in and then there is a baggage claim uh, or a baggage check as well. And so as we come into this spiritual airport of Generation Church, as we, as we come in, this is the way that everybody comes in to the church uh, who, who are going to, to, to fly out of, of an airport. They come in through the departures. And that is our services that we hold, our worship services that we hold as a church. Worship services have been around for 2,000 years and they're not going to go away. Because they are a way that people can come and gather and worship together. And we have good worship services and I like our worship services. But what I see when I see this vision of Generation Church is worship services where people's souls are engaged with God. That people walk in even before like some, some English dude just gets up and starts talking. People's souls are already touched and changed. Because God is in this place. 
What, what I see is, is worship services where in the future they're, they're more powerful. They're more relevant. That they are more soul engaging even than what we have right now. Engaging, soul engaging worship services. If you look on the, uh, on, on the screen here, there's something that says training center for leaders, pastors, and missions. I didn't have enough room to put missionaries. So that's basically what that means. Leaders, pastors, and missionaries. My, 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 my dream, and I believe the vision that God has for Generation Church, is that we will not just impact our local community, but we will raise up a generation of Christ-centered leaders and pastors and missionaries who will go into communities all over the world and make a difference for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe God wants us as a church to develop people who will help reach our next generation and help reach their generation all over the world. And so we're going to have something here at Generation Church where people can come from, from all parts of the globe. They can come and they can learn how to reach people for Jesus Christ in the 21st century. You also see another box on that screen there. It says, Resource Center for the Worldwide church. See, in any hub, any airport, you, you, you will see a layout, a design. You will see a way that they do things. They've always, they do that because they've learned from other airports. Airports learn from each other. And I believe churches can learn from each other. Uh, and one of the things I believe God has laid on our hearts is that we will become a resource center for the greater church, the worldwide church. Churches all over the world where they will learn uh, or, or, or they, 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 they will look at this church and find ways that they can do ministry, maybe in the areas of worship or in the areas of kids and, and, and leadership development and outreach. I believe that we're not just to hold it for ourselves, but we're to share what God is doing here at Generation Church with others. And then if you look on the, the, the diagram there, there's, there's two things on the side. It says path, the path. Any good airport doesn't make you walk, right? Us Americans, we don't like to walk very much. So you get to an airport. That's what I don't like about like Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. There's so much walking that you have to do. It's like you lose 15 pounds just getting to your next gate. But any good airport has like those sky trains, right? That they take you all around wherever you want to go. And in this spiritual hub that I believe God is telling us as a church, this path is called the path for the next generation. This is the path for those kids over in the house, the youth who meet here on a Friday night, those people, those kids in our schools. See, I believe more, more than anything that, that youth ministry and kids ministry is so important. I'm here today because of youth ministry. We had really bad kids ministry. I'm thankful that God gave us a good youth ministry. But my heart is not that those kids will just have a good time and they have a great time. We have a great setup. But it's that their lives will be so changed and impacted that they will go into their schools and they will make a difference. That they will replace us and they will do mighty and better and greater things than whatever we have done. 
See, I believe that when my generation, my father's generation, and even my grandfather's generation may have missed some things, I believe that God is raising up a new generation who will be greater than all of us. I believe that your kids can do greater things for Jesus Christ than whatever we could imagine. And so, as a church, I believe God has mandated us to create a path so that they can raise up and that they can become all that God has intended them to be, that they can reach their generation for Jesus Christ because if we don't do that they'll have fun but they'll go to college and they'll go off and they won't be in church and then if there's no other generation after this then the church is just going to die and who is going to be a light to this world I believe that's our next generation so we're going to create a path so that they may succeed So that's the main terminal. But in any hub, there are other terminals or other uh, other concourses that, that you go and you catch your planes from. And so in this spiritual hub of Generation Church, we have what I call concourses as well. So I want to show you these concourses. These are the legs that bring the church together. The first one, concourse A, is discipleship and relationships. Discipleship and relationships. The number one command that Jesus gave the church of Jesus Christ was this. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we are not becoming better disciples and making disciples, then everything that we do will just fall flat. It won't even be worth it because it will not make a difference to our generation. And I believe the best way to create disciples or or to, 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 to become a better disciple is in relationships. I can stand here all day and you can listen to me drone on. But the reality is, is I can make a little bit of a difference. But when you find relationships with other people who are growing in their faith as well, that is when real life change happens. See, Jesus developed relationships with 12 people. 12 people. But the reality is he only had deep relationships with three people. And the reality is it's it's in those relationships, those close relationships, that you will become a better disciple. And so in this concourse, concourse A, we're going to develop small groups and, and ways that you can find friends and develop friendships so that people can come together and build those relationships and that we can grow in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. We have small groups now, but, but, but we're going to make it a place that everybody can find friendships and find people that they can do life with. In this concourse, we're going to have mentorship programs where, where you can mentor other people. Where if you want to be mentored, you can find a mentor who can mentor you in just different areas of life. It, it, it's a place where, where we help one another become all that God has for us. It's a place in this concourse A where we will have uh, people who can learn about the Bible and learn about their faith so that they can grow in their faith. And ultimately, it's the place where there is the depth to our spiritual growth, that we can grow in God, become more Christ-like in what we do. Because if we don't have this, then everything else fails. That's concourse A. Concourse B. Concourse B is what we call the center for outreach. The center for outreach. 
This is where a buzz of activity is going on in the church because that is where the center of outreach is. Right now we have like monthly outreaches that we do. I'm not talking about just some monthly outreaches. I'm talking like a 24-7 place where there is a buzz of activity where we are reaching out to people, where we're reaching out to the poor and the needy and the homeless. And we're giving them help and we're giving them hope. It's a place where we have multiple recovery programs and people helping others recover. Recover from abuse or addictions or crisis or broken marriages. Where people can come and find healing in this life. This place, this center of outreach is a, a, a place where uh, philanthropy goes out, local, national and international, where we send teams and we send resources and funds out all over the world to helping people who are in need and less fortunate than what we are. It's also a place where people who are unskilled can find basic skills to help them in life. Where people who have very little education, maybe they can't read or write, can find some basic education that they can go forward. See, this is all about being the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ extended. Jesus said this. He said, give a cup of cold water to those who are thirsty. Clothe those who are naked. He's basically saying, reach out to those in need. And Concourse B is all about reaching out to those in need, those who are hurting, and those who need the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. Move on to Concourse C. In Concourse C, this is what we call our community metamorphosis. Community metamorphosis. This is, this is the concourse where like the local flights go off. You know, you're in a hub, you always have a place where there's local flights, like short little flights that go off. And these are the flights that go out to our local community here in Harford County. See, reaching Harford County isn't about helping the poor. There are poor people in Harford County, absolutely. But the majority of Harford County are not poor. This is the problem with the majority of Harford County, is that they are apathetic towards God. And this community, uh, community metamorphosis is about taking people, taking a community from being apathetic towards God to being engaged with Jesus. Because it's when we're engaged with Jesus that real life change happens. And so we're going to develop groups for seekers, people who will never want to come in here on a Sunday morning. It's just too weird for them. But places that they can come and they can talk and they they can express and they, they can search God with other people. It's a place where where we will train you and help you so that you can create groups within your workplace or your school or in your neighborhood or amongst your friends who don't know God that you can reach out to them. It's a place where we will train you to what we call evangelize, basically telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the place, Concourse C, is where we will have service projects going out to our community where maybe we will help some single mothers or exasperated mothers. How many of you are an exasperated mother? None of you. We had a few first service. Where we will help those who maybe, you know, can't speak English 
to learn English or help some kids who, who uh, maybe want to learn a second language or help some sports uh, kids with their sports. And maybe it's, it's going and just beautifying our county and doing some things here, just reaching out and, say, and showing the light of Jesus Christ to our community. And it's the place where we have something what we call missional communities. Where there are communities of people who, who gather together in a less formal setting than what we do on a Sunday morning. Where they can really search and find that there is hope in Jesus Christ in a less formal setting than this. That is Concourse C. Then the final concourse is this. Concourse D. This concourse is what excites me most about the vision. It's the place of new churches. See, I'm what you call a church planter, somebody who likes to start new churches. And I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And this is why I believe it's the hope of the world, because Jesus is the head of the church and he is the hope of the world. And the church is God's vehicle that he uses to go and tell the world about Jesus Christ. It's not about a non-profit. It's not about a bunch of individuals just running around. It's about coming together as a church. Jesus commanded the church to go and reach the world. He did it 2,000 years ago, and it's still the same vehicle that he desires today. And the best way to spread the light of Jesus and the hope of Jesus is by starting new churches. So we will plant new churches. We'll plant local churches, maybe some here in Harvard County, Baltimore County, Cecil County, maybe uh, some churches we'll plant in, in PA. We'll plant, plant some local churches. We'll also plant some churches in other states and even churches in other countries. I would love for us to plant a church in the UK. I would love for us to plant a church in Latin America, all over the world. And from that, then, we would create a network of churches where we could resource people, where people from generation go out, and will we still stay connected and we help and support each other in this network of churches. One of the things that has been on my heart a lot lately is just the diversity of Generation Church. We've become a lot more diverse this last year in 2015, but the reality of it. 80% of our church is still American white, right? Caucasian. But I believe in the kingdom of God, there is diversity. And so what, what, what I see is this, is that there's English services going on, but there's also services that people can worship God in their native language. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was down at my father-in-law's church, and it's a Spanish church. Everything's in Spanish. I don't understand a thing. And uh, I have a little like microphone in my ear. There's somebody translating in the back for me. But it's wonderful to see people worship God in their native tongue in their native language. And I see services for the Spanish-speaking people, French-speaking people, Portuguese, Arabic, whatever, different languages coming together and worshiping God in their native language. So those are the four concourses in the main term. And I want to show you one more graphic. It pulls it all together. This is the hub of Generation Church. This is what I believe God is showing where we are going in the next 20 years. See, when God thinks about Generation Church, this is what he thinks about. And this is just a little bit of what God sees. And I pray after today, when you think of Generation Church, this is 
what you are going to think and what you're going to see. Because ultimately, this is what it's all about. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus said this, You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. See, Jesus desires this church to be a city on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. And I believe this 20-year vision is just that. It's about being a city that is showing the light of Christ. And the reality is, if this comes to fruition in 20 years, then our generation will not be able to say there isn't any hope. Because we will show that there is hope. They will see a church that is vibrant, full of life, where God takes what was broken and restores it to life. There's a guy called King David. He had a vision to build a temple to God. The sad thing about David, he got to the end of his life and he never saw the vision come to fruition. But his son Solomon caught the fire of the vision. And Solomon made it his life's aim to fulfill the vision that his father David had. That was to build the temple of God. In the last days of David's life, he said this in 1 Corinthians 29 verse 1. Sorry, Chronicles 29 verse 1. Then King David turned to the entire assembly of Israel and said, My son Solomon whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous. For the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for God, the Lord God himself. Basically, we're saying this. The vision of God is too much for Solomon. Solomon was what the wisest man who ever lived. And it was still too much for Solomon by himself. David was saying that all of Israel needed to get involved. And the reality is this vision that God has for Generation Church. It is way too big for little old me. I am not capable at all to be able to fulfill this vision. And you know what? Our leaders are not capable to fulfill this vision. It is way too big for us. We cannot do it alone. But the reality is it's Jesus' vision. And he desires to use each and every one of you. He, He wants to use you as workers and partners to bring this thing together. Isn't that amazing that God wants to use broken people like you and me to bring his vision together that we would be a a city on a hill that would help change a generation for Jesus Christ. God wants to use you. As David was speaking to Israel, he said this in 1 Chronicles 29, 15. David said, we are here For only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land, as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. Let me tell you, 20 years will come and go before you know it. For those of you who got kids, you know how quick time flies by. And for some of you, you're going to be here just for a moment. 
Because you're in this hub and you're just connecting through. And Generation Church is a connection for you. Maybe to go to your destination or your next step or your next leg of your journey in life. For some of you, you're going to be here 20 years, uh, two years. Maybe some of you will be here five years, maybe 10. Some of you will be here 20 years. Maybe some of you might be here in 80 years' time when all of us are done and dusted. No matter how long you're here, we are all on a journey. We are all just passing through. But while we are passing through, will you make it count? No matter how long you're here for, will you make it count? Will you be part, a partner and a worker in the work that God has for this church? That one day when you get to heaven, they will applaud you because they said, this is the ones, these are the ones who partnered with God to help create a city on a hill. This year, we have a theme for the year. Every year at Generation Church, we have a theme. That we base everything else that we do, all the sermon series and things that we do. And some of the previous themes of previous years was one year, every year, everybody a missionary. One was be aware. Last year was thy kingdom come. The theme for this year is this, moving forward. Moving forward. See, I believe that God is telling us and he's telling me it's time to move forward. To move forward in the vision that God has given us. So this year we're going to begin construction on some of these concourses. Some of the things are already in place and we will improve them. But for this year, our focus is going to be concourse A. Discipleship and relationships. Because everything else is based off that. If we're not better disciples, we cannot reach out to a lost world. So I ask you today, let us move forward and become the city on a hill that cannot be hidden for the world to see that there is a light that shines, that is a light of hope, it's a light of salvation, it's a light of love, it is the light of Jesus. You may ask, well, Alex, well, how can we get started? How can I get involved? We're going to give you lots of ways this year that you can start to get involved in helping to fulfill this vision that God has for us. But I want to just share with you just two immediate areas that you can help. The first one is our kids and youth area. I am a huge believer, like I talk when I talk about the path, that our next generation, if we are not careful, we will lose them. But if we, if we, if we shepherd them and, and we give them a path that they can follow, then God's going to do great things through them. And so we need nursery workers and preschool workers and elementary workers. We need people helping in our youth. And so if you want to help immediately, then those are some areas that you can help in. If you just don't like kids... I mean, there's some of you, you just don't like kids, you know, you can't, you gag at a dirty diaper, you know, or you just want to beat a mouthy kid and you can't do that. So, so we would prefer you not to be in the kids area if that's you. But what you can do is there's an area, what we call a hospitality area or a hosting area where we have people who greet people who come in or, or people who set up the refreshments and set up the coffee and the candy and, and, and all that. And we need people in those areas. Do you know why? Because people come to Jesus through smiling faces. Did you know that? People come to Jesus through smiling faces. 
And we've had so many people in this church who have come and found life in Jesus Christ. And I asked them, what brought you? They were like, man, just there was somebody who greeted me and they were so welcoming. I had a conversation on Wednesday with someone who is now one of our leaders of our church. And they came in this church. Why? Because somebody was out front and they felt welcomed. So if that's you, those are areas that you can, ha- you can get involved in. And so I encourage you, go over to the info table after service. There is this thing called We Are Family Opportunities. Just a bunch of opportunities that you can just get involved in right now here at uh, Generation Church. And there's more than those two. I just highlighted those two areas. But uh, I would encourage each and every one of you just to go over, take a look, pray about it. How can I get involved to begin starting to help God fulfill the vision that that God has for Generation Church and this community and our lives. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about this vision. Are you excited? Oh, man, that was like lame. You guys excited? Yes. You know, because why? Because God is going to do great things through you and in this community. Lives are going to be changed. Lives are going to be restored. Lives are going to be healed. And God is going to do great things in and through you. I can't wait for what this next 20 years is going to bring. I can't wait for this year because God is going to do great things in this year.